Thank you, Jane, for the kind introduction. Welcome, everyone. Assalamu alaikum. It's a great pleasure to see so many of you here. And it's a privilege to be amongst you today in such lovely building. I would like to thank the Ibn Arabi Society for inviting me to talk about light and knowledge. I have been working on different aspects of this topic for years. Yet, I felt that in being asked to be one of the three speakers at this year's symposium, I had been given a difficult task. The other two speakers are distinguished emeritus professors who have been working on related topic since I was a child. <laughs> Many thanks to Ibn Arabi for easing my mind and telling me to rely on him and of course on the light of the Prophet and the divine light. Ibn Arabi advised me to explain the essence of, mystic, of mystic or mystical thoughts starting from personal experience. Following his advice, I went through his photohat yet again. For those who don't know about al-Futuhat al-Makkiyya, the Meccan revelations or openings, I should explain that it is one of the most significant and comprehensive sources of Islamic mysticism or Sufism, which Ibn Arabi started to write in Mecca and he completed in Damascus. My talk today is inspired by the aphorisms about light and knowledge which appear in it. As most of you know, Ibn Arabi was born in Andalusian Spain, which was the Western Islamic world at that time. He then traveled to the East on a spiritual journey, seeking what he calls the light of knowledge, Nur al-Ayn. He traversed the Islamic West and East from Iberia, North Africa, Arabia, Iraq, Anatolia <coughs> to Syria, Asham, and he settled in Damascus for the last 17 years of his life. His tomb there is within a stone's throw from the house of my family where I was born. Today, I'm traveling back from the east to the west in an attempt to complete the circle and spiritually circumambulate the world, al-Tawaf al-Ruhan. I'm coming from Damascus, where I first heard about Ibn Arabi, strangely enough, in a leading architectural office, not in a mosque, to Oxford, 
where I met him in person through his lovely society. You. For me, Oxford is the Damascus of the West. <laughs> but I'm not even Arabi, for sure. <laughs> like many of you, I wish to be a ray of his light that could comprehend and pass the essence of his knowledge and wisdom. He calls this way of contemplating the self and knowing about its reality, Hakika, the supreme light, called the light which is knowledge. Anur Aladi Hua I would like to say one more thing about the link that I see, or at least try to create theoretically for the sake of my talk today between Damascus and Oxford, or what I would prefer to describe the spiritually rational city. When the organizers of the symposium of Ibn Arabi of the Ibn Arabi society decided to make this 33rd symposium a one-day event with three speakers, one international, one European, and one UK speaker, they selected me to be the UK speaker. And I volunteered for this since I have been living and studying around here for years and I have deep academic and professional connections with the UK, as Jen described. Since I grew up in Damascus, they also referred to me as a Damascene. And that Damascene, who is, as it were, lost in this world and found himself later in Oxford, This is like a Sufi who abstracts himself from his body, which is known in Sufism as abstraction in Silakh, and travel to the end of the universe like a ray of light just to meet himself there. Throughout the journey, he or she the small world, Al-Alam al discovers the cosmos, the great man, Al-Insan al-Kabir. The human being in this world is like the embryo in the womb of the mother. This is the most harmonic relationship in the world, internally for the mother and externally for the embryo, before birth. After birth, they realize that they are two different beings, although they were one being. 
before the marriage of the mother and the father, the son or the daughter, was in a state of being in the world of absence, without a presence in the physical world of witnessing, this changing state of being from existence to non-existence and vice versa generates a like of, uh, over generations is like a continuous journey from the otherness to oneness and from oneness to otherness and here I'm coming closer to the uh, very nice talk of Sarah in this journey from darkness to non-existence, in the womb, to the light of existence in this world. This is a journey from this state to that state, as Stephen explained them also very nicely. Throughout time and space, existence is mixed with non-existence, like the mix between light in this world and darkness in the womb, light of existence and darkness of non-existence. This explains Ibn Arabi's poem. The shining and darkness of the science of existence is a light mixed with darkness. علم الوجود ضياؤه وظلامه نور Darkness, he says, refers to the science of the unseen, and light refers to the science of witnessing, This ultimately explains Ibn Arabi's saying, knowledge doesn't exist, except between light and darkness. Here, I would like to draw your attention to the central point of Islamic knowledge, around which Sufism rotates in connection to what Ibn Arabis calls the science of existence, the science of being. I will then demonstrate how it relates to the science of light, Nur, which he places amongst the highest of uh, divine sciences. At the heart of Islamic knowledge is the concept that God is one and no being exist apart from him. La ilaha illallah. No God exists apart from God. In other words, there is no God with a capital G, but God with a capital G. The negation is followed by affirmation. Muhammadun is the messenger of God is the completion of this phrase. This declaration of belief is one of the uh, of uh, in, uh, of belief in the oneness of God is called in Arabic 
the Shahada, Muslim Creed. Recitation of the Shahada is uh, uh, the first of the five pillars of Islam. By sincerely stating the Shahada aloud before two witnesses, one is considered to have um, converted to Islam. In this sense, the Shahada is a complete statement of Islamic knowledge. To know it is to have a summary of Islamic knowledge. Knowing its meaning is like gaining insight into mystical knowledge. <coughs> the first part of the Shahada, there is no God, refers to God and not other beings, because if any being exists apart from God, it will be God. For God, according to the second part of the phrase, but God is the only existent. Islamic, mysti uh, Islamic mysticism attempts to explain what it might look like a contradiction in this phrase. <coughs> what is the contradiction? And how does Sufism resolve it? In traditional Islamic knowledge, while God is one being, all beings, including the human being, are distinct from him. But how? How could this be possible? How could there be only one being in existence and yet have another being different from it? How to reconcile multiplicity with oneness? <coughs> we have seen Sarah explaining the concept of uh, the Barzakh, so that was a very nice explanation of that. But let us think about it in a different way. Mystics, including Ibn Arabi, explain this through the concept of light. In his Futuhat, <coughs> Ibn Arabi gives an example of a column and the sun exactly above it at the midday. At that moment, there is nothing except the column. When the, when the sun moves, a shadow appears. Where was it? The light of the sun and the darkness of the shadow are mixed. They exist within each other. Let me remind you here of, uh, of Ibn Arabi's saying, knowledge doesn't exist except between light and darkness. Other Muslim mystics and philosophers such such as Shihabuddin Yahya al-Suhrawardi, a contemporary of Ibn Arabi, did not only use the concept of light analogically, but also logically. Unlike Ibn Arabi, Suhrawardi was a philosopher rather than a mystic. He drew heavily in pre 
Islamic Greek philosophical writings that was translated during the Abbasid uh, period from Greek into Arabic. He uh, uh, also draw uh, on other Eastern pre-Islamic Iranian philosophical doctrines. He originally found, uh, followed Ibn Sina, Avicenna, who was a peripatetic philosopher. The word peripatetic refers to the uh, rational um, doctrines of um, Aristotle. Later, Suhrawardi found a contradiction in the Islamic peripatetic tradition of Ibn Sina. Therefore, he established a distinct doctrine of Islamic philosophy called Hikmatul Ishraq, the philosophy of illumination. As the title suggests, this philosophy is based on the concept of light. I will not go into details of uh, his sophisticated philosophy or wisdom. One example will suffice to demonstrate aspect of his thought about the science of existence and non-existence between oneness and otherness, like that of Ibn Arabi uh, about the sunlight and the shadow of the column. One of the major questions that Suhrawardi attempted to answer was how the human self could be a part could be part of the divine self yet distinct from it. He gave the example of a flame. You can light a piece of wood from this flame and you will get a new flame. The first flame remains as it is. It doesn't lose anything. The second flame is exactly the same as the first flame, despite being quite different from it. Simple. <laughs> Light or fire has saved him the hustle of explaining what is otherwise almost impossible to explain. <laughs> Fire is a form of light, and it is one of the four classical elements of nature. The other three are air, water, and earth. Unlike the sensible human body, which is a dusty and opaque uh, material like earth, the human self is intelligible, and it is as subtle as light. Sohrabardi's Illuminationism attempted to explain how the human spirit emanates from the divine as light emanates from its sources. Throughout the history of Islam, this aspect of questioning the link between the divine and the human nature have been considered controversial. Sohrawardi was killed, sorry to say, by the order of the legendary 
ایوب سلطان سلادین صلاح الدین ایوبی The concept of light did not make it did not make this divine science less controversial despite the fact that light appears in the Quran in the context of explaining the divine nature in a Quranic verse known as uh, the verse of light ayatun nur god refers to himself as the light of the heavens and the earth Allahu nuru samawati wal ard Quranic quote His light may be compared to a niche that enshrines a lamp the lamp within a crystal of star-like brilliance It is lit from a blessed olive tree neither eastern nor western its very all would almost shine forth so no fire touched it light upon light god guide to his light whom he will end quote muslim mystics and philosophers including ibn arabi interpreted interpreted this verse in various ways. They attempted to explain the nature of the divine and the way to approach and understand it. Following this verse and other Quranic verses and also prophetic sayings, Ibn Arabi draws a subtle link between light and knowledge. Consequently, he describes an intimate relationship between the spirit and the intellect spirituality and rationality how the spirit is connected with the divine so light refers to spirituality because the spirit is made of light knowledge obviously uh, obviously relates to rationality however This is not the rationality of our modern time, but rather a pre-modern, Akbarian rationality that was based on spirituality. Akbarian refers to the Sheikh Al-Akbar, uh, the greatest master. Indeed, his rationality and spirituality are intertwined, and we cannot separate one from the other. There is no difference between the heart and the mind in the Sufi theory and practice. However, for the sake of examining Ibn Arabi's spiritual rationality, I differentiate between two terms that appear in his writing, especially the Futuhat. The first is the science of light, علم النور. While the other is the light of knowledge, Nur al-Alim. On the one hand, the science of light is a science. So it is connected with rationality. 
This is the rationality that which emanates from spirituality. As mentioned earlier, Ibn Arabi places the science of light, Al-Munur, amongst the highest of the divine sciences. Here he talks about the cosmos, and the nature of all beings, including the divine and the human being. On the other hand, the light of knowledge is a light. By which Ibn Arabi says, one walk in his world. So it is a way of life and it is related to ethics. In this, in this context, cosmology and ethics refers to two significant aspects of Sufism. Throughout history, Sufism has been connected with the highest level of intellectuality. That is the nature or knowing the nature of the human self and the world around it. Sufism has also been connected with the personal experience and ethical practice. The Oxford um, Dictionary says that a Sufi is a member of a Muslim group who try to become united with God through prayer and meditation and by living a very simple and strict life. If I'm asked to describe a Sufi in just two words, I would say that he is a knower and an ascetic, both of them at the same time. Sufism is both theory and practice. This is why the title of this symposium, Light and Knowledge, refers to the essence of Sufism, in which ethics are not separable from cosmology. And this is how it relates to us here and now. If you want to follow an ethical practice, you need to know how the universe is structured. A practice might appear unethical in your perspective, but it might be ethical in its own context. Now I will further explain the science of light starting from the concept of knowledge in Ibn Arabi's Futuhat. I will then further explain uh, the light of knowledge starting from the concept of light also in the Futuhat. Regarding knowledge or science, Ibn Arabi says as mentioned earlier, it doesn't exist except between light and darkness. He explains, the science of existence is a light mixed with darkness. Darkness, he clarifies, refers to the science of unseen, ilmul ghayb, and light refers to the science of witnessing, ilmul shuhud. 
which I explained earlier through the concept of the presence of the embryo in his mother's womb. Regarding light, for Ibn Arabi, it is the light of knowing God. It is divided into two kinds. The light of the rational mind, Nurul Aql, which he places under the light of spiritual belief, Nurul Iman. In a poem, he says, without light, no eye would, would, would witness him, and without mind, no being would know him. فَلَوْلَا النُّورُ لَمْ تَشْحَدْهُ عَيْنُهُ وَلَوْلَا الْعَقْلُ لَمْ يَعْرِفْهُ كَوْنُهُ He adds, mind is a light, but spiritual belief has lights. Indeed, the insights are signs for the eyesight. لِلْعَقْلِ نُورًا وَلِلْإِيمَانِ أَنْوَارُ إِنَّ الْبَصَائِرَ لِلْأَبْصَارِ أَبْصَارُ the true knower, Al-Alim, he, he explains, is the one whose light of knowledge doesn't extinguish his light of piety. <coughs> Arguably, in the context of the Akbarian mystical philosophy of the unity of being, divine light and the human knowledge can be described as one structure of spiritual rationality. I will now focus on some aspects of the verse of light which appear in the writings of the eminent Sufi Damascene scholar Abdul Ghani and Nabulusi. Nabulusi lived five centuries after Ibn Arabi and he considered him his spiritual master. One aspect of Nabulusi's significance in the context of my talk today about light and knowledge lies in the fact that he attempted to synthesize the rationality and spirituality of um, uh, Sahrawardi and Ibn Arabi about the divine and the human nature. Understanding the nature of these realities was important because it affected the Muslim views of the world. For them, the world includes not only the earth, but also the heavens that appear in the verse of light. God is the light of the heavens and the earth. The centrality of the divine knowledge is, of course, not peculiar to the Islamic knowledge. In several traditions, the directions in which knowledge expanded and the way in which sciences developed were shaped by the concept of the divine. In the Western tradition, <coughs> The dominant view sees the essence of separation between, uh, sees uh, the necessity for uh, the separation between the science and religion. Religion took 
above seat, it's no longer um, the, a driving force in society. Nabulusi lived around the same time, but in the Islamic world. Some scholars uh, challenged the common view that this was a dark age for Islam, and they claimed that the Islamic world has its own enlightenment, in which religion or spiritual ideas were not separable from knowledge or wisdom. Following Ibn Arabi, Suhrabardi genuinely sought truth and reason. In a poem that I will recite soon, Nabulusi refers to the Quranic verse of light, and he explains the concept of the unity of being, or oneness of being, throughout that of light and knowledge. He draws an analogy between the oneness of God and the otherness of the loved one in the eye of the lover. The lover and the loved one became or become uh, one being. How? The lover is alive as much as the loved one is alive. However, he is totally absorbed in her to the extent that she is the only living being and all else are dead. Through her beauty, the light of the lover shines. The loved one is not only lovely, but also wise. Her knowledge supplies the oil for his light to shine. The heart of the lover becomes like the Kaaba, the house of love. The multiplicity of the pilgrims disappears in the oneness of the Kaaba. The pilgrims are the community of lovers, and the Kaaba is the heart of the lover. The poem reads as follows. How I wish love had been gracious to me. For my loved one is alive and all else is dead. Oh, what a beauty. Our light shines by her power. The oil is supplied from her knowledge. Oh, great community of lovers, make your pilgrimage to my heart, which is the house, the Kaaba of love. أَلَا لَيْتَ لَوْ جَادَلِي الْحُبُّ لَيْتَ فَحُبِّي هُوَ الْحَيِّ وَالْكُلُّ مَيْتَ مَلِيحٌ بِهِ ضَاءَ مِصْبَاحُنَا 
ومن علمه كان إمداد زيد فيا أمة العشق حجوا إلى فؤادي الذي هو للحب بيت So far I have talked about three eminent mystics Two of them are of the early pre-modern period These are Ibn Arabi and Suhrawardi Approximately eight centuries separate us from him, from them. The third is Anabolusi, who is a mystic of late pre-modern period. Only three centuries separate us from him. Let us now return to ourselves, here and now. While light and knowledge meant truth and reason for pre-modern thinkers this duality means for many of our time for, meant many for uh, many people of our time simply religion and secularism many people don't see any contradiction between them however many others see a contradiction and even a conflict between religion and secularism. I often imagine Ibn Arabi raising out of his grave in Damascus and looking around himself at the war, the so-called religious versus war in the Middle East and the world. His descendants have forgotten not only his tolerance, but also his rational spirituality. If there is really a fight between secular and religious thoughts, which are represented in real wars on the ground in several, in several places of the world, such as the Middle East, especially Syria, and if there really is such a thing as, a as the clash of civilizations, one aspect of the solution would then be to synthesize and harmonize rationality with spirituality. This is because rationality is the essence of secularism and spirituality is the essence of religion. And there can never be a, contradicting, a contradiction uh, between uh, each other. Light as a representation of spirituality and knowledge as a representation of rationality can then be understood as one structure. And this pre-modern structure could then be beneficial to us here and now. Isn't it? Your turn to speak. Oh, rational, spiritual society of Ibn Arabi in Oxford, the Damascus of the West. 
If each of us imagines himself or herself as a ray of light of Ibn Arabi, traveling back and forth between the spiritual East and the rational West, between Damascus and Oxford, between the darkness of existence and the light of being, we shall hope to find the solution. Thank you.